Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. Welcome to Female Centrics, the first female-hosted fish community podcast. I am Donnie B, your host. Who's mummy's? Who's mummy's true love? Ah, uh, Jason, Daddy, right? Who's mama's secret true love? Trey. Trey. <laughs> And we are back with part two of the interview with Benji Eisen. And Baker is our uh, co-host along with Jason with us today. Uh, so with this part two of Benji's interview, we um, he's going to be going into his GD50 um, experience as well as the Fish Studies Conference, which he had a lot of really amazing things to, to share about that. Ed, we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and there are about 30 different podcasts from Grateful Dead and Fish, Ween, History, Culture, and uh, we are partnered with Jambase. So you can check Jambase out at jambase.com and go to osirispod.com for more uh, podcasts. We are also, this time around, we are sponsored by Passion House Coffee Roasters. We've had a problem recently. The coffee somehow keeps leaking out of our cup. Fortunately, we can now refill it with delicious fresh brews from Passion House Coffee Roasters, our new coffee sponsor. Passion House was founded by a longtime fan, of course, that's with a PH in Chicago, and they've been sourcing and roasting some of the best beans in the world since 2011. Now they're asking for your help naming one of their newest coffees, an experimental micro lot from a renowned farm in Columbia. With coffees named Millie Grace, LSD, and Boxer Rain, the bar is high for a new name. But we know you can help. So go to passionhousecoffee.com slash Osiris to read about the mystery coffee and submit your idea for the coffee name. Some pretty creative people out there, and we've got some pretty cool song names and whatnot. Uh, I think y'all can come up with a good one here. While you're there, pick up some freshly roasted beans so you can have a cup of coffee and catch your breath. They ship everywhere, and our listeners get 30% off their coffee. So enter Osiris at the checkout, and you'll get 30% off your order. Thanks, Passion House. We are back with Benji Eisen, and he is telling us some really awesome stories about when he pretty much lived with uh, um, Billy Kreutzmann uh, writing the book Deal. So, uh, Benji, you were just about to ta- start to ta- talk to us about uh, Billy's love for water and yours and some trips to Belize, I believe. Yeah, well, we we went to Belize after um, after fish after New Year's Eve in Madison Square Garden. He he had a festival gig that he was obligated to play in Costa Rica at Jungle Jam with uh, the BK3, which was him on uh, he was on drums obviously, mm-hmm. and Scott Morelski, who's now in Mike Gordon's band and also Matt's Creek, originally. Um, was on guitar and Otiel Burbridge was on bass. Mm-hmm. And so he had this gig down there, so he needed to kind of make his way down there. And he thought that the water is a very, very important part of his life. Uh, oceans, he calls himself an ocean spirit. He has, uh, you know, um, marine tattoos. He's, um, he's, he's, he's an ocean spirit. Mm. And uh, he, he surfs a lot. He was surfing when he found out that Jerry Garcia died. Oh, wow. Um, he he and I have both. We went stand up paddle boarding together. He uh, owns a boat. Uh, he he's a big fisherman, and uh, and a, a huge scuba diver and snorkeler. And whenever he can, he's always out on the water. Which is similar to me. I I, I love the ocean and I love being on the water. The the difference is that um, I like being on it and on top of it on a boat. I love being on a boat. Mm. You know, and I love uh, I love the feeling the the water underneath me. I love 
I love the sight of water. I write best actually when I'm within sight of a of a large body of water. Mm. Um, I just it, it you know you just it does like that separation right there. Yeah, and it, it does it exactly right. But the the water looking at water does the same thing to me that I imagine um, you know mountains do. If you're either an ocean spirit or a mountain spirit, I guess. Sure. But um, or both. But I uh, Billy sent me an email before we started working on the book saying, you know, I, do you have your scuba your paddy certification? She's I'd like to go scuba diving in Belize because it is such a part of uh, such a huge important part of my life, and I, and and uh, you know I think if you'd experience this with me and we could write about it. Because Jerry so, was big into into that as well, he was mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we, uh, I told him that I I had my Patty certification, um, I had a refresher course, and I just remember at that time, I started for the first time in my entire life, going to uh, the gym to run on a treadmill mm. because he told me in the email that one of the things that he wanted to do was dive with sharks. <laughs> and, uh, that's one of my, like, you know, I wouldn't say I have a phobia of it other than just like, it's a, like, fuck no, like they'll kill you. Yeah, right. <laughs> eat you. <laughs> I saw Jaws, what? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and he, later when he taught, and when, when he and I talked about it later on, he told me that he's like, oh no, it's like, you just have to be their friend and project it. And he's right about that. Like, but here's what, what, what he wasn't thinking. He's totally right. that uh, and I've seen it in action now. I've seen it, um, you know, certainly I, I was YouTubing videos of it after we were talking. You know, he's touched sharks before. I've now met a, a lot of my friends have scuba dived the sharks, and, and they're, you know, not harmless, but they, they've had these wonderful experiences with them because they it's, – it's like if you're terrified of a dog, you know, like the dog they're knows you're terrified of yep. And so if I was in the ocean with a shark, the shark wouldn't be cool with me because the shark would look at me and take one <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and I, dinner. Right? Crash, I'm fuck with you. <laughs> crashing about all of a sudden the shark would be, you, why did you just leave, have all these bodily fluids when you just go into, into, my, into my living room? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, but, you know, so I decided I was going to get in shape and, and that way. Uh, if I if I went scuba diving with Bill Dreitzman uh, to experience sharks up close and personal, that one I would uh, uh, not be able to swim away, but at least be in a better shape than I was. Until I figured I was with Bill Dreitzman, what's the worst that could possibly happen <laughs> to me? You know, uh, uh, it, there was some magic about him. And then, of course, after writing his life story I, and knowing how many people he's you know had die all around him, that's kind of part of oh, the story. No. <laughs> feeling about it i think right he was going to become one uh, of those he's people the boat so many times and he's going to and he's healthy and he's going to live such he's gonna outlive he's probably gonna outlive me he's gonna outlive all of us <laughs> he's got to go about keith richards though <laughs> it, well it'll be it'll be uh he and keith will close down the bar yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so so relating back to that article that I just love the fish the undefeated season um you talked about um like looking up looking up you know and which a lot of us just don't and uh you talked about walking onto the field during sound check and reading a text on your phone just like anybody else would about a friend you know your friend was talking about plans for magnum ball which was you know coming up and whatever and your quote was trey was on was in a trance looking up in the sky as he played to an empty house you were in the middle of that field of that empty house can you just talk about that moment yeah, uh, absolutely. It was like it was that switch I was talking about earlier. Mm. I had uh, so much. It was I felt riding on my shoulders. I had, I had so many emails and and there's so much that could go wrong, you know, like in the the following five days from that point mm-hmm. or the following week from that point, really. And there 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 were a lot of things that were um, just it was rapid fire. You know, rap, uh, let alone like the millions of texts from friends that were like, "Hey, you know, I, can I get a ticket?" You know, last, last oh, right. <laughs> you know, but, but, um, you know I, I can make it after all. <clears throat> but um, you know, I, there was just an avalanche of, of that type of stuff that I that I, so my head was <clears throat> in the game. I, I I wanted to. I didn't want to fail, and th- I think that's the only thing that kept me from. Uh, the the turn that switch on was just that I was in work mode. I was in professional mode at that point. I had been watching Trey rehearse this material for five days in a studio in San Rafael, and uh, spending entire long days there, having having you know catering breaks and and uh, you know 
whatever. And so at, at that point, it was all part, uh, everything was just sort of this piece of this bigger machine that was going. And it, we were we were tumbling towards having the first audience coming. You know, we were tumbling towards doors on the first night. Mm-hmm. And there there were a, a, a more things on my mind that day than I think any other day in my life, or at least that, that whole year probably. It's game time, baby. Yeah, exactly right. And I was, uh, I, everybody else involved with it had uh, a lot more experience than I did with that sort of thing. And I was sort of thrown into the fire. So I was on my phone texting and I'm not sure what I was texting about, but it was, it could have been anything from like catering, you know, or it could have been calling up, you know, knowing that we were figuring out what time we we're going to leave. So we would have uh, somebody waiting with a van, you know, it was just a small minor detail thing, but it was something, you know, that couldn't be overlooked. Your job. Yeah. My job. Exactly yeah, right. yeah. 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 It, it might've been taken care of, you know, if, if two friends of his decided that, that, that they were going to make it and wanted some access afterwards or wanted to see whatever it was, you know, sure. and, and um, and so that was so on my mind that it wasn't that I was ignoring Trey and it wasn't that I wasn't uh, appreciative of the situation. It just it just wasn't it didn't exist for me. My my world was on my phone at that moment. And that's when my friend and Bruce Hornsby's manager, uh, Mark Allen, who's part of Red Light, which is Fish's management. And he uh, manages a lot of incredible artists. Uh, Basenet is one of them. But he was um, managing Bruce Hornsby, which was was why he was in the field. Sure. And uh, he he came up to me and he goes, "Do you see what's going on?" And uh, <laughs> I I remember looking up and thinking that it was meant that something was wrong that I had to take care of or that I didn't take care of <laughs> didn't was I my do? fault, you know. <laughs> and it was just yeah, I was like uh, I made sure the lights were going, you know. And uh, it was middle of the day, but they were doing these you know tests and and stuff that I that that was that wasn't my responsibility, but if it had been going wrong or, or for that matter, if something was wrong with Billy on stage, you know, uh, we had a drum tech for him and eyes on him, but I, you know, I always kept my eyes on him uh, every, you know, every moment I could, uh, when he was on stage and, uh, and off for that matter, it, you know, taking care of my guy. And so that all of those thoughts were racing through my head before I realized that, oh yeah, we're listening to Trey play St. Stephen in a stadium with the Grateful Dead, <laughs> you know, Big with red nobody else, Fredder. with nobody else here. I think Dan Berkowitz uh, from CID uh, came by on a golf cart at one point, but you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a fairly empty, you know, stadium. Mind Berkowitz, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, that's take my breath away a little bit. <laughs> that yeah. How yeah. did it sound? All right. <laughs> Uh, once I heard it, I mean, I, it, it, it was once I, once my ears, you know, heard it, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. It was, yeah. it was unbelievable. It, it was also at that, at that point, the thing, like I, I had seen them rehearse it, you know, and, uh, and so I, again, it was sort of an adjustment to it or, or an acclimation to like, uh, I, I got to a point during those, you know, during those weeks where like you would just expect that it was going to be, you know, like you, you, you got acclimated to the in- incredible things happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. You did. All of <laughs> us would have had our jaw on the floor. Uh, right. Was, was this in San Francisco or in Chicago? This was in uh, the St. Stephen rehearsal. It would have been, uh, I, I wanted, yeah, it would have been in Santa Clara. Nice, nice, nice. Wow. So, so when you were writing like, you know, busy, busy writing the book with Billy and then is that when you got the announcement that Trey was going to be working with him or did you know that before you started writing the book with him? Oh no, it, it, it wasn't like that at all. Actually, it was that, uh, I started managing him right after the book or no, it was concurrent, but it was towards the end. It was around the time when we handed in the became best friends and he made you his manager. Holy <laughs> shit. Is and, that what you're uh, telling me? Essentially, I mean, yes. yeah, I think I think I was telling him ideas for a few years that you know That's he should, awesome. be, and so it just and it was never my my motivation or my and like a, a motive, but it just sort of evolved in in that way in a way that at the time felt very natural and very uh, just right for both of us. Score, um, and, and uh, yeah, and so then for you know we didn't know that GD fifty was going to happen. It was one of my first orders of business was to figure out what what Billy's you know figure out with him and his wife uh, what what his year was going to look like. Wow! So um, your first task was to help with GD fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God, Benji. You did right. good, kid. You yeah. did good. 
High five. <laughs> Jesus freaking Christ. Okay, keep uh, going. <laughs> well, and, uh, the other the other concurrent task that I had at the time actually was to uh, put together a band that he was going to play with. He, he did Lockin uh, with like the Lockin Step All-Stars. And I, and I told him, I, I, I suggested to uh, him and his manager at the time of like who he should get. Tom Hamilton was, was one because I've been friends with Tommy since we were, you know, oh. I want to say 19, 18 years old. And so, and I knew what he was capable of. And this was before J-Rad, you have to remember. And yeah. um, so I, I, I suggested he got him. And also I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with Aaron Magner from the Disco Biscuits. He, I mean, he slept on my mom's couch at, at my mom's house before, you know, like when we were 19, 20, 21, whatever age That's it was. Awesome. Uh, it might have been like more like 21, 22. Uh-huh. But um, regardless, uh, I and – you know, he, I knew he was a, a big deadhead, and I knew that uh, he and Tommy w- w- would be perfect to play with Billy. And you know, as Billy's friend, I kept I, I tried to play him these guys. You know, and, and uh, I remember that the two of them, Magner and Hamilton, played an acoustic set on Jam Cruise one year, uh, where it was they did like Help Slip Franklin's acoustic, and I and I played that for Billy, and I was like, these are my friends, and you're gonna end up playing with them. They're not and, Billy and the kids, are uh, they? I, I, well, I, re- I remember telling Tom Hamilton and Madner that, hey, you know, like I'm writing this book with Billy, which means that one day you're going to get to play with him. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And so at, at Login Step All-Stars, I got to kind of throw them in the mix uh, and I tour manage that, which just basically means babysitting and making sure that the I mean, it's it's a lot more than that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, at the time, though, for my responsibilities that that day, it was it was uh you know, keeping everything running on, on time and smoothly for sure is the priority. Um, but after that, when I became his actual manager, uh, you know, he needed a, a band and I, uh, immediately, you know, for three years I'd been running his ear off about, Oh, my friends would be perfect to play with, you know, for you mm-hmm. to play with. And, and, um, Billy loved this bass player, Reed Mathis still does. And so Billy said, you know, he wanted Reed Mathis in the band. And I said, well, I know the perfect, the two guys that would play, you know, with him, and that's Aaron Mapner oh, and Tom man. Hamilton, and we formed this band called Billy and the Kids. Mm. Uh, which I, I I I miss that band. I love that band. Uh, if you uh, get a chance to look them up, there you can find them on on the internet. And the, the music is just they they were were one of my favorite Grateful Dead side projects of all time. Well, I I had heard I read wow. just recently that job, right man. I know exactly. So I read just recently that Trey actually trained with J Rad. To get ready for, or or at least, um, is that somewhat true? Practice. That they, yeah, practice with them yeah. to get ready for it. As uh, it traded that independently, but from sure. uh, everyone sort of did, uh, everyone did their own prep, you know, prep work independently until their until the the rehearsals. But there were squadrons, and I remember like Trey flew out to. California, so that he and Bob Weir could sit on a beach uh, and uh, choose sickly and, and go through songs, and then work on Fucking vocal gamey. arrangements. And that was just the two of them. I I, th- I think I might be wrong about this because uh, I I wasn't there for it, but I think that Trey may have done something similar with Phil, mm. um, and uh, or it might have been the three of them, you know, together. But I but everyone sort of did their own thing. Billy and Mickey got together uh, to talk about the, what the drums were going to be like and what the setup was going to be like. Uh, and so, uh, and I do remember at one point, Bill and I were in New York for the, the book tour, uh, for deal. And, uh, so this would have been May of 2015. And I remember that back at the hotel, you know, it was one of those things where we had our obligations were done for the day. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted some downtime. I was walking around Soho and getting food. And I remember Billy texted to me, uh, that, that he ended up going to, some studio, uh, and I don't remember the, the actual details, but I remember he went to some studio, uh, to play with Trey and I think Russo and I, I, I don't remember who else was uh, probably Hamilton at that point. Wow. It must have saw me, uh, cause Billy was comfortable with him. And so I, I don't know who all was in that rehearsal, but Billy showed up for just a very, very little bit. He, Billy wasn't really part of the rehearsal it was because we were in town and he stopped by and I, I, I remember it vaguely because all, uh, it, it's something I haven't thought about since then. And, and it was just a text from Billy being like, oh, yeah, I, I just did this this afternoon. Yeah, you know, Big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, I probably I, apologizing for why he wasn't answering his phone. For right? an hour. Oh, oh. <laughs> you couldn't have recorded it, Bill. Come on. 
Well, he knew that I would want to be invited, and, and yeah. you know, I had no business being there. So, <laughs> so, so I have one last quote to to have uh, yours that I would like to talk about before we go into the fish studies. Um, but because I'm really curious about this, so again, this is in this uh, the fish undefeated season. So. You wrote, uh, earlier that spring, I'd work with Gordon for a week or so in the theoretical rehearsals at Bob Weir's studio in San Rafael, where he enrolled in his own version of Dead Camp, separate from Trey Anastasio's and separate from the Fairly Well. As it so happens, the two fish bandmates were individually studying the Grateful Dead music, learning the nooks and exploring the crannies at the same time, but in parallel universes. One for Fairly Well, the other one with a group that eventually morphed into what is now Dead and Company. Trey and Mike sent texts back, some, back and forth about their experiences in real time. What is that all about? Because <laughs> that um, just blew uh, my mind. Well, it's, it's exactly what, what, what uh, it says. It was, uh, and the reason I knew that they were sending texts back and forth was because uh, Gordon told me so. We were, we were in uh, catering. Uh, and it was uh, just the two of us in the, in the break room, really, mm-hmm. um, not, and getting a snack or whatever. And um, and he, uh, I, you know, we were talking Grateful Dead stuff, and it, I guess he looked down at his phone and he, he uh, you know, said, "Excuse me for a second. He said, "This is uh, this is Trey. We're we're uh, you know, we're both trading trading stories about Dead Camp." <laughs> you know? Jesus and that, and then I, th- I think he got like a smirk on his face, right? He was satisfied. Whatever, Speaking whatever he texted back, he was pretty satisfied with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. So Mike had a smirk on his face. Yeah, I no. <laughs> <laughs> he, he must have said something funny. So, so what was the what was Mike working on though? It said like you, you said something about like it now morphed into Dead and Company, like because I mean, yeah. obviously we it, just know as as uh, you know Mayor and whatnot, but was he working with O'Teal and the such? Uh, no, because O'Teal, O'Teal, uh, was on base. O'Teal, O'Teal's in Dead and Company because Mike Gordon isn't. And, uh, dur, dur, um, dur, of course, yeah. It, it was, it was a, so. uh, in the early sort of, you know, I, it, the only reason why I, I, I won't call it a rehearsal was because the band wasn't formed yet. So it was jam sessions at TRI Studios and the the and Mag, Aaron Magner from the Disco Biscuits was on keyboards for some of that. Clemente was on keyboards for the other part, um, and some other some people kind of came you know came through. But so you it mean was, to tell me they traded out Trey for John Mayer and O'Teal for Gordon for Dead and Company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, they they never traded out Trey. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I know, I know. It's fun Trey signed up on the on the assumption uh, and on the true assumption that it was going to be five shows and they're the last Grateful Dead shows mm-hmm. with all with all the original oh. members, which is which is true, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and no, and Trey, you know, about. wanted to, you know, it, it's uh, this great honor to close down this band's career. And you have to remember that that even though Dead and Company is this is this uh, you know wonderful beast and, and uh, certainly continuing the tradition of the Grateful Dead. I think that myself personally, I think of fairly well as still the final exclamation mark mm-hmm. on the Grateful Dead and Dead and Company is uh, sort of a either a new chapter or uh, you know a continuation of the legacy. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, but you know as long as you have an, another original member of the band alive and playing music and not with them, it's not the Grateful Dead. You know, um, in in one way of looking at it. And in the other way of looking at it, you know, Dead and Company is definitely the current incarnation of the Grateful Dead. And so uh, I remember when the overlap was happening, uh, and and it, originally the, it wasn't really overlap. Originally it, it was when when those uh, sessions were first scheduled, it was nobody knew if fairly well was going to even happen, and so it was kind of the band thinking of of you know what what else can we do and uh, you know experimenting because the Grateful Dead were great experimenters and, and uh, one of the secrets to their success is they were never scared to try something. And so uh, just, you know, I remember that there was, there was a, a, a very small window of overlap where Gordon was playing with these guys at TRI. Trey was learning Grateful Dead songs for fairly well. And I just remember thinking, uh, one, I, I remember thinking that Trey should be, you know, in, in that band. I knew he, he wouldn't agree to it, but I, I just remember thinking, you know, how amazing and cool it would, it would be to have half a fish and half the dead, you know? Yeah, of course. Right? Our dream. I'll take Magnum all day. 
yeah. it'd be incredible. Uh, uh, but not at the expense of either of those own bands. You yeah, know, right, not, yeah, not right. at the expense of of, of, of Fish Summer Tour. Or, yeah, you know, that Summer Tour in 2015 was unbelievable yeah. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, or, or for that matter, you know, Deadfall, whatever it yep. is, you know, yep. both respective universes deserve their own their own universe. But um. But yeah, there there was that overlap, and it was it was just really funny, and it was also crazy for for me as such a fish fan to to kind of watch it all un- unfold. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. no doubt about it. I I was just teasing about trading out. Yeah, yeah. For Trey. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it it definitely. I mean, it, it's kind of like that. And, and Mike Gordon uh, had his reasons for not doing it. He uh, you know I, primarily it was scheduling, and it was you know uh, a band that. In the beginning, it, uh, you have to remember when he came to those sessions, it wasn't even a band yet. You know, it was, yeah. hey, let's see what what comes of this. And I think as uh, as the machine got rolling and picked up steam, uh, you know, his, Gordon's priority is to I, the I main have, Gordon than to fish. I can't have Den Company screwing up fish tour, not by any yeah, means. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was actually, you know, one of my concerns. And I, I remember him asking me at one point, uh, it, he, he asked, um, what I thought the chances were that this was going to become a real band. And I Zero. said, uh, I, I said 95%. Oh, and he said, cool. what do you think the chances are that they're going to want me to be the bass player? <laughs> and, uh, and I said a hundred percent, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, we, we, we were talking about the dates at the, the time. I think there were 18 dates originally talked about, mm-hmm. um, 18, 19, something like that. And, uh, and it was in December. And so fish wasn't going to be touring and, you know, Gordon kind of said that like Fish's schedule was kind of, you know, like he knew it and it was locked in and, and but it, he wanted a lot of dates with his own band because he, he gives so much to Fish that, you know, um, and he, and his own band also means so much to him and he's trying, he's really doing amazing things with them. And, uh, he puts in a lot of, you know, he puts in the, the, the creative energy and the passion to the Mike Gordon band that, um, that, you know, you, uh, most musicians put into their band bands when they're in their twenties, you know, yeah. and then as they get older, they don't have, they don't have that drive. And Gordon doesn't need that drive because, you know, he, he doesn't need to be doing anything during Fish's downtime, but he has that drive because it's so sincere and genuine. And, uh, and so to take him away from that would, would, would be, you know, and at the same time, it's taking him away from that to be in a Grateful Dead project. So I think he struggled with that. And, uh, ultimately he chose that, you know, he needed to do his thing, which, which I think was absolutely the right decision. Mm, mm-hmm. and, yes. O'Teal, and then O'Teal came in to pinch hit. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That, yeah, that summer, that summer was, was amazing. Um, and, and so how does he feel uh, playing with mayor? Because mayor, I just feel like has really taken, he's just, I mean, what we've been three, four years now we're going with mayor as, as a lead on that. And just his fingers, his voice, like, what are your thoughts on that real quick? And then I really want to go in the fish studies conference. <laughs> yeah. I want to go in the fish studies conference. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mayor, um, it, it, it's been really, really cool to see his evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's, uh, he's an enormous talent. I think he, he, uh, in no way resembles Garcia in terms of his person, like his persona or sure. anything like that. And I think that, that has been, much to his great benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very different people. And, um, but I think that for what he does in dead and company, uh, he, you know, his level of musicianship is, is, uh, undeniable. And, uh, and he definitely brings something to the table. And he's a real beautiful man. What, yeah. He is what are you going to do? <laughs> I just still can't watch him. Well, I can, I know he's got some great faces there, but I, I, I think, we, I think, you know, it's one of those things. I think everybody has their own personal John Mayer journey. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, and on my own, there's, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say, but it wasn't always looking at him as this guy's just going to come right in and be the next year. you see it, you know, yeah. and I don't often tell that, I, but uh, it was but a I, hard test to pass. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. He's I don't know. There. I mean, no one will ever replace Jerry, obviously, but like he was on scrutiny for at least a whole year. Mm-hmm. That first year. Mm-hmm. And he fit it up. He fits in perfectly. Yeah, I know. Great. I think he does well. I think he does uh, well, let's definitely. Start, let, yeah, let's okay. start Christians. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you, uh, I believe, I, I believe you have quoted as Kasvat Vax is actually the fishific, the fishification of Ghosts of the Forest. So, talk about what your uh, the fish studies conference. What was your subject? Am I right on that one? 
Yeah, well, that was my mic drop moment. Um, that and was I heard what? <laughs> mic drop my moment? Mic drop <laughs> moment. I heard a few gasps from the audience, but I, but I went to make this argument. Uh, and, and it started out, um, I came to that conclusion two days earlier. Uh, I was uh, struggling to find a presentation, and I was, I, I, I was committed to it, and I was signed up for it. And I felt more pressure for that than I felt for anything for a long time because I'm confident with everything else uh, that, that I've been working on you know and this was something that was so out of my wheelhouse that uh you know an academic presentation if it was an essay on fish sure no problem you know as long as i, I have enough time to do it I'll, I'll i'm confident that i can that i can deliver but uh an academic presentation is a whole different ball game i don't think i knew that when i signed up i, I had an inclination and i knew that it was a slightly different ball game but i didn't think it Public was speaking. It, yeah, I didn't think it played by different rules entirely. You know, I thought mm. it was just all part is you know a, a different uh, different play in the same game or something. And um, so I felt in over my head. Uh, I felt out of uh, an enormous amount of respect to academia and academics and what everybody else was doing at the conference. I didn't want to be the joke. I didn't want to be the the you know. I had this fear that I was going to be laughed off stage because I was going to go out there bright eyed and bushy tailed, talking waxing poetic about fish. And, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to take a serious look at their lyrics. And one of the things that is always, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, when I hear fish, um, I think that maybe they, in retrospect, they, they may have trained me on this, but I, it, it, I don't, as a kid growing up, I listened to first to lyrics before, you know, when I would get a new album, I would open up the, the, the insert and I would read along to the lyrics and the lyrics are very important to me. But then once I got into fish, you know, uh, something like, uh, you know, boy, man, God, shit meant a lot more to me than baby. I love your ways or, you know, or any of these other, you know, songs that were on the radio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then, you know, it took me a long time before I realized that, you know, I, by, by thinking that fish's lyrics were just, a phonetic amplification and a, like another instrument. I think that I, I overlooked the fact that these songs that seem really silly, they're not all really silly at all. You know, I think my first gateway into that was when I heard uh, that Rift was a concept album and every single song on the album was all about, um, all about, you know, your, your sleep cycle as you're going through, you know, in, worrying about this upcoming marriage, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and before then, actually the first time was when I, when I heard lizards, I thought, well, this doesn't mean anything. That's one of the reasons I love it. You know, I come from the land of lizards, you know, and the lizards are that, you know, yeah. and I was just like, I, I, I delighted in the absurdity of it. And I, I didn't need to have context because I'm not one of these guys that needs, needs meaning. I need, I need experience. And then you, you know, and the experience up. of that was just, <laughs> What, it was what? I was going to say, and then you looked up the lyrics. Yeah, no. Well, no, it wasn't even that I looked up the lyrics. Like, you think I heard all the lyrics, but I don't think, I think that, that you know, all the lyrics in there by themselves, yeah, there was right. no context for it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, these are all made, game hands, that's a made up word. Yeah. You know, and like yeah. going through the whole, and lizard, the lizard people and all this helping friendly book, you know, okay, whatever. This is, this is nonsense. On its to own, it's foolish. But yeah. within, what is it, the man who stepped into yesterday? Mm -hmm. Yep. It absolutely mm -hmm. means something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So then, then I I found out uh, a a kid on my in my dorm um, told me that you know told me about Game Engine said all these songs that you're singing they all relate to this. There's a, a musical like a rock opera, and so then that gives context to it. And uh, and Rift was another waypoint. But I I always just you know I I find that to this day a, a lot of Fish's songs are are very much misunderstood. And a lot of them, uh, when critics say that the lyrics, and uh, there was another presenter actually at the conference that made this, uh, you know, same same point in comparing Fish's lyrics to poetry, which it, their finer moments they absolutely are. That's not to say they don't have, you know, uh, why do I try to kill you? Because you're a big black furry creature from Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, David Bowie, UB40. But at the same time, they do have a significant uh, canon of, of songs with with lyrics that are are either incredibly poetic or silly but yet meaningful some of them are deceptive they work on 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 two different levels and you know one of the examples i used in my presentation that i almost feel really dumb for not realizing the only saving grace that i have is that i know that there's other people that that didn't and that's the, the fluffhead example and that you know yeah. i always i you know the lyrics are so plain as day they're right out there for you you know like there's it's not hidden 
But at the same time, because it's framed in such a joyous and silly and wonderful song musically, and, you know, you let the music kind of inform your emotion about it. You know, we're singing about a, a guy who's, who's uh, wiping fluff balls off his head because yeah. of chemo- chemotherapy treatments. I 100% you know? agree with you. As soon as I heard the dude like talking about that, I was like, oh, wow. Whole yeah, other the, ball game. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was that. It was the dude talking about it on, on, on under the scales, and, yep. and I felt really dumb because if, as soon as you look at those lyrics, they're they're pretty, you know, plain as day. Yeah. And and Fish has a number of other songs that are equally plain as day, and uh, once you know, I, in fact, that's a theory that I, I I kind of been thinking about today and yesterday was that um, after I wrote my presentation and, and that I take Ghost of the Forest and I and one. One of the statements I make, and this is again why I was scared to go in an academic conference because if it was an essay, I can make crazy statements that that are mostly accurate. And with academia, you know, you need data to back it up, and everything needs to be very, very precise, or else and you know, speculative. You know, stated that it's speculative. But uh, goes to the force. I stated, you know, that I thought it, it, it's one of Trey's most direct set of lyrics, and then you, I go back to it. And, you know, Ruby Waves as a title alone uh, goes to the forest, which as a title I, I found out after the, the presentation goes to the forest itself uh, is uh, it's it's a, it means elk. And, uh, you know, there's um, it's it's a very that song in particular has uh, it, it's not immediately self-evident what it's about. I just it seems that way because Trey Trey told us all before we ever heard the, the, the songs. This is about death. You know, this is about my friend dying, and mm-hmm. um, and about me dealing with it, and about trying to, you know, even the even the the positivity that comes at the end of it, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, you gotta have hope mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Um, but we knew what it was about, and so therefore, when I looked at those lyrics, they they immediately made sense. But if he just threw out, you know, and some of those songs like "Friend" is very uh, very overt, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there are some songs on there that are very straightforward, but then there's a few in which he he does his usual poetry. They just it just doesn't seem that way to us because we know what it's about. This episode is being sponsored by Passion House Coffee Roasters, which is our new coffee sponsor. Passion House was founded by a longtime fan in Chicago, and they've been sourcing and roasting some of the best beans in the world since 2011. Now they're asking for your help in like contest, which will uh, you'll help name one of their newest coffees, an experimental micro lot from a renowned farm in Columbia. So they have other coffees named Millie Grace, which would be Fee, and LSD. I don't know where they got that one from. And Box of Rain, of course. Uh, so the bar is set high for a new name, but we know that y'all can help. So what you're going to do is go to passionhousecoffee.com backslash Osiris to read about the mystery coffee and submit your idea for the coffee name. While you're there, pick up some freshly roasted beans so that you can have a cup of coffee and catch your breath. They ship everywhere and our listeners get 30% off their coffee. So uh, when you're at checkout, enter the Osiris, um, enter Osiris in there and you'll get 30% off your order. So uh, thanks a lot, Passion House. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie and I, so I was front row for the main show and, and we, uh, Stephanie was there as well. And, uh, she, we both jumped into the studio the next night and released a podcast uh, on Saturday morning. So it was, and without knowing the names, without knowing anything, it was just more of like how we felt about it. And like her point, because she was teaching existentialism class at the time and her point with, with, with all that is like, you know, we've gone through, you know, these like, you know, sort of, you know, joyous lyrics when we were younger and we're moving this whole thing together. And it makes perfect sense that now we're moving through these lyrics that include death and whatnot. Um, it was, we're older. Yeah. You know, it was a pretty powerful, uh, um, expression I don't know. Uh, a thing to express. I'm, I'm finding it hard to find words again because it was the same sort of thing we were at the time. And of course, you know, Stephanie had them, <laughs> and I just had emotions. But um, but yeah, no, I I I, I hear you on all that for sure. 
And so you, so you're, what is your thought on the Casa Vox, uh, the fishification of uh, Ghosts of Forest? Um, so I think in the next day or two, uh, I, I, I'm finding a home to publish this online because I want uh, the fish community to have food for thought while we while we're, we have downtime between shows. Sure. Um, this, but, won't be, this won't be produced for a few days, so just so you know, yeah, like, probably okay, next well, week. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully by then it will be up online. And it was just, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but it just, when I was looking at the lyrics from Ghost of the Forest and I was looking at the lyrics from Chaswat Vats and my initial, the rabbit that I was chasing down the hole was that Chaswat Vats were very fishy lyrics. Mm. You know, they. Um, yep. this is what they smells like. It, it, it's like instantly. I remember being on that arena floor thinking, uh, you know, and I, I love Trey's, I love, every, every, yeah, I love everyone's right. I, I love uh, every, every, everything's right. I love more <laughs> rise up. I, you know, I love, I love, uh, I, uh, these songs are great. Um, especially when they're not, you know, the only songs there that they're, they belong in a, in a greater, it, 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 it makes a rounder picture and a fuller picture. And you throw one of those songs in and then, you know, bat to bat with glide or, you know, whatever it is. And it all made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all has its place, but I was, I thought that, you know, Casper Vlad sounded instantly like they were, uh, a return to certain, you know, nonsensical fish lyrics. Mm-hmm. And what I found, uh, looking at those lyrics and then shortly after looking at Ghost of the Forest lyrics very critically, you know, or very closely, is that there were a number of instances where they just matched up a little too close for comfort. Mm. Uh, not close for comfort. I mean, just in a way that it, it didn't seem like coincidence. And then it seemed like they started saying the same things. Uh, you know, um, you will, you will, you know, we living out, outliving your brain is the same thing as saying that you know we turn into when I die, uh, I'll turn into a giant ball of energy. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. There, there are a lot of in Ghost of the Forest. There's a lot of talk about shapes moving all around you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and about uh, forms, how we change forms, you know, and it's uh, descended from apes are just changing shapes. You know, well, forms change so fast, I'm going to get wider when I die. You know, it, mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of, of back-to-back instances and in the presentation and then soon to be online, uh, uh, you'll see there's, there's so many instances where it's just uh, – you know, if it's a coincidence, then it, then it's because maybe his his brain was thinking that way. Now, was and all I, that written at the same time? I believe so, right? Yep. But by writing yeah, it the same, yeah, yeah. leads me to believe. And here we have a fake band from Scandinavia, and the lyrics huh. do sound like they were translated from another language. Yeah. And uh, you know, it sounds like you know, almost like if Ghost of the Forest was was translated. And I, I don't think that's the be all end all. I don't think that they sat down to write mirror albums. Um, I think that. Trey had something very serious on his mind and uh, wrote a whole album about it and was living and breathing it. And uh, with Cass, what Vods did was his chance to write about the same experience that he wrote about with Ghost of the Forest, but having uh, a, a more humorous, more fishy, more veiled, you know, with Ghost of the Forest, Trey wanted to be direct. He wanted us to know what he was talking about. That's why he let us know before any of us heard a note of the music. You know, uh, it was it was important that we understood the message so that that way when we saw the show, we would know, you know, it wasn't going to be people going, oh, well, you know, that that, that sucked because he was, he was really being down or it was great depressed, you know, things like that. Because we knew what it was about, it, it gave the, the whole show its meaning. But Casper Vatst. You know, it's 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 not supposed to really be about anything other than a great dance party in an arena in Las Vegas for Halloween, and I just think that a lot of the a lot lyrically, a lot of the things Trey was writing about were were uh, almost undeniably about death, and you know we'll just leave it at that. Oh yeah, for so sure. So you're so you're saying Trey writes songs two at a time? No, not at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I mean like you know so Casa Vox is the fish version the silly fun loving halloween uh vegas show so happened to happen and at the same time Rocks is the well, re- you'll have the the benefit by the time this comes out of being able to read the the presentation so you'll see i, I lay it out in the and take it's it's a 20 minute argument that i made you know that i'm really laying it all laying out all, all the evidence but what but you know again it's a humorous argument it's it's uh kind of like a, a when you get when you're a freshman in college and 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 you take a bond rip and you talk about Star Wars theories, you know, 
there's an element of that to it. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, uh, everyone at that conference, I think, not maybe not everyone, but a lot of people talked to me about it afterwards and, and were as slow as oh. I am on it. Again, it's not he, the, 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 the important thing to keep in mind is that it's not uh, a so cut and dry. I don't think the Kazat Vats is at all a mirror. Uh, or, or I don't think that it's song by song, or you can say one song is is the Casper Vodz's version of. Oh, of, oh no, know, no, no, no! I don't, I, I don't think that yeah. at all. I just mean yeah. like Trey maybe just doing his silly, fun little wear a spacesuit and glide over the audience fun album, and then you know maybe just so happened at the a, same a time album. this time this time around though, right? You know, yeah, oh, but, irregardless, uh, dude. And there's also, uh, and uh, I'll wait to uh, till you guys see it in, in print when it comes out. But the, even things like this is what space smells like. It's it's uh, which to me, I I didn't want it to mean anything. I just thought it was a fun meme. And yet there's you know there there are uh, a number of of things that he he alludes to that same exact concept in in uh, in Ghost you know of the forest. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, um, well, Jonathan Fishman once told Donnie and I oh, that Trey true, true. literally shits out songs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so I so I do have to ask you. So in November 2013, you wrote an article for Rolling Stone about the Fuego wingsuit. So it was Fish treats fans to unrecorded new album on Halloween. Um, and you had just gotten back. Uh, so with you just getting back from the fish studies conference and you spoke up with the fish lyrics of Casper uh, Pax. Um, I feel like the Halloween thrilling chilling show was similar to these in the sense that they were all brand new albums. So what are your thoughts on the differences between these sets and how the audience received them kind of all being brand new songs? I think that there's a, a funny uh, thing in that I think for for windsuit I think that uh, my, my I I loved the concept of it walking into I mean I as much as anybody I mean I the idea of, of I don't I don't ever want to miss a Halloween I haven't for a long time and mm -hmm. I think that it's you know the idea of seeing fish cover an album is great I never get attached to the album because there are so many great albums out there and I feel like whatever they choose. Is it, 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 you know I would love to see them cover one of my favorite uh, <clears throat> excuse me one of my favorite albums someday, but I'm not disappointed if it's not because it, it'll be great. And then my thinking in, in Halloween that year was wait a minute, my favorite band on the planet mm -hmm. is is Fish, and they just go <coughs> excuse me I'm choking up here on one second. Choke <laughs> it. I hate when just that dying happens. here. Talk about ghosts of the forest. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I um, I just remember thinking like, so my favorite band on the planet is is for Halloween you're going to surprise us. Now I'm going to hear new songs that nobody else has ever heard before. They're going to play us a whole new album. Mm -hmm. So I was really excited about that. So like I I, I was that was cool. But I I do recognize that not everybody felt that same way because they had this sense of entitlement or attachment to whatever album they convinced themselves that Fish was going to play. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so then. Uh, for cut to chilling, thrilling sounds, you know, in the haunted house set, and everybody loved it, and it was just the 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 context in which it was framed. It was theatrics you know, and whatnot. Yeah, and it it, it was if it, and also it, it was that under the pretext of Fish isn't making a new album, this album already exists. They're just playing a soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's kind of a fake soundtrack, it was like everyone loved the idea. Oh, Fish is making a soundtrack. You know, to this. It, and and taking the sound effect album and making songs around it, how brilliant, and and it had received you know pretty positive you know uh, uh, acclaim, and then cut to this year where it's like Fish figured out that if they make up the band and the album, that people were going to go <laughs> for it, you know, and that that's the way to present it. And then Ghost of the Forest was interesting in that um, I don't know about you guys. In fact, I'll, I'll ask you this: um, you guys loved it, right? I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I didn't uh, go. Do you, do you know people that, that, that didn't love it? I've heard rumors. I, well, so for Ghost, Ghost of the Forest, is that what you're talking about or Cast of Facts? For Ghost of the Forest. Uh, so I think it was more so that if you were there, you felt it. And if you weren't, it was it was a little hard to receive. I mean, I can't even say anything because I was literally front row, like eye contact, right 
you know, right there with Trey. So for Donnie me, it's, touched his shoes. Yeah, yeah, virtually, virtually. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was a little hard for me. Baker, were you there? But yeah, you were there, but you were a little bit further out. I but, was. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. further back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I did. I it was fucking really, magical. I really enjoyed yeah. it. It was, and to me, it was, it was really moving. But there were also a couple songs where it was just the fun, cheesy fish that I love too. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of. Yeah. No, I, I I loved it as well, and I I think that um I most people I know. I loved it, including people that I never would have thought would have, and that are generally, you know, harsh critics of the band as much as their their fans, uh, you know, or jaded fans, or, or or they don't like always, you know, Trey's own. They they like they like Fish, but not the the other projects or whatever it is. But I, I was amazed at how almost universally uh, it was praised, except for two or three of my very closest friends, hmm. and who who have a very similar thing. But I I think. Uh, one of the things that I think, I, I think Trey did a, a great job of, of keep on, keep it under wraps and let it be a surprise for everybody and let, mm-hmm. let people know though, that it's going to be entirely new music. I think calling it a different project than anything else before kind of clued us into that. I think him doing the interview, uh, that he knew we would, we would all, you know, immediately spread around and know about so that we knew what it was about was yeah. really smart and very intentional. But I, I think the, 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 uh, I think it would have been, uh, I think the the difficulty was even loving it. I saw it two nights in a row back to back. I saw it at both of the Greek theaters in California. And I think that um, two and a half hours of brand new music without a break is uh, a lot to ask any audience, mm. you know? And I think that, you know, I think that if it was, if, if he did an hour, if, if you do set break, I understand why he didn't want to do set break. And I, and I do agree with that decision, but I feel like an hour, an hour and a half of brand new music is, is usually, you know, I mean, symphonies take, take a uh, set break, you know, for, for good reason. Sure. Uh, and so I think that while I, I loved it the whole time, I didn't lose, I didn't lose steam for sure. You know, like I, I, I was into it, but, but I just feel like the, most of the complaints that I heard were like uh, essentially that they did like it, but that it just was uh, it, it got to be you know long and, and that they lo- they think it lost a little steam for them. Yeah, and so yeah. My friends who thought that it was horrible, and I now have to go back and reconsider um, if I'm gonna ever get them anything for the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's what it was. I mean, he poured his heart out when he got up there and like, I I don't remember the names of the songs. I have listened to them a bunch, but like when he got up there, when he was just like right there with the microphone, singing his freaking heart out, acoustic, the whole thing. It was just, you know, it was everything. It was everything. And especially just being, I don't know. Yeah. No, I. He yeah. wrote an album for mm. his best friend. Yeah. He passed away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it or not, he did it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then brought in the pipes to back him up, mm-hmm. which yeah. were amazeballs. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I just noticed what time it is. So let, let's, uh, I, I don't want to do a disservice, though, to the Academic Studies Conference. Yep. Nope. Um, I, am, I have my last question for you. So just about you're currently working on your novel entitled Ursuline. Can, so can you tell us about that real quick? And then we'll head out. Uh, about Oysterland. Oysterland is uh, Oysterland is a. Um, I don't know how much I want to say about it. Actually. Okay, it, it, okay. <laughs> but, but I will say that I'm working on it, and I will say this: uh, I did. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'll lift the curtain on this because it's fine. I, I I started an Instagram account that right now probably has. It's not my 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 own personal Instagram account. I, it's uh, called Oysterland, and then my name. And I think that. I did it because, uh, and it's only like only my like some of my closest friends know about it and sign up. So I put little quotes uh, as up there as I go along. Mm-hmm. But also, it's called postcards from Oysterland. So I don't think that any of the thing that eventually goes up on that account is necessarily going to be in the book so much as uh, postcards from it that will make a lot of sense once the book comes out. Okay. Do you want us to plug this? Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> okay. But I, I would like—I would love to say like one uh, yeah. comment about the academic st- studies conference because sure. uh, Dr. Stephanie Jenkins, uh, apart from being an incredible person, she is, uh, and uh, you know, and dedicated to to fish and to philosophy and to her students, and I, I, I don't have enough good things to say about her. You know, because I've never run out. I agree. Um, but uh, the conference that she put together. 
was a whole different, there's a whole another level. It, it, she did the impossible. She didn't do it alone. She had a lot of help and everybody deserves uh, to pat themselves. Anyone that was a part of it should be patting themselves on the back right now because it was uh, an unbelievable experience. And it uh, showed me what maybe the academics knew all along. And that's that fish is, uh, you know, I, I thought I knew a lot about fish, right? I, I've studied this band for 25 years, you know, uh, and lived and breathed a lot of the story. And, I found out that I know nothing, you know, you know uh -huh. like the very, the very first panel was deconstructing, uh, uh, split open and melt jam to show what's happening, you know, uh, during the, from fog and, you know, it, let me pull up the, the name of it. It was, uh, I have it here in the, in the program, which I kept just like I would keep a fish bill. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, uh, structural fog and the persistence of groove and split open and melt jam and Jesus. using a chart, it showed how. Again? How it showed how fish, uh, you know, develops this rhythmic independence from each other. All four musicians. It, it charted it out in such a way that was so scientific, and uh, that I was just like, "What is this?" And then, you know, and I, I ate it up, and I, I didn't understand all, all of the musical technical. No, I don't think everyone in the audience did. Because my my uh, ultimate point, though, I think, was that I thought, well, these guys know so much more about fish. These guys and girls know uh -huh. so much more about fish. It turns out that that I was like, no, actually, I see. I know a lot about one side of fish, and I, and as an English major and someone who's now studied the, the learns like I know, I know a corner of fish, and I know like the, the fish .net history of fish. Somebody else knows what uh, from a you know somebody else can speak about, and somebody did about like the sociology or you know like so about how you know the the tribal aspect of of the fish community, uh, fish as therapy. Um, you know, it's a multidisciplinary, it has a multidisciplinary reach. Mm -hmm. And it, I was concerned that before going there, that it would be too much of like band worship that I wasn't really into. But then I realized that's not at all what it is. It's taking, you know, like they, if they're like the sun and they, and they, uh, have been, you know, you, you, we've been planting all these seeds in this garden and their fish's music is kind of the sun and that it gives it the energy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then there's all these different flowers that, that have been blooming because of it. And each flower is like an academic study or a universe mm -hmm. into itself. So I was amazed at like just how many different corners and not in a joking way or not in a mocking way or not in a, in a way that is now, now proven to be accepted by the academic community to, you know, they're, there was some, you know, people were doing some groundbreaking work that Fish's music or the experience of going to shows brought them to, but the work that they're doing is on the, is on their own. You know, it's stuff that if it it's it just, and there's it's like spokes on a wheel. There's so many different directions to go with it. You know, we had a um, race was a, a panel, and that you know less scientific, but more of something that we need to address in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, same with gender issues. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, that came up and I think next year there's, uh, it, you know, Denise Goldman talked about that. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, uh, and there, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but I was just amazed at, at uh, so there's a, a wonderful talk called fish, the good breast, all about from a, a psychological standpoint of, there's, you know, when you're uh, an infant and you're and you're feeding, how you go between the good breast and the bad. You know, that's the the first decision you 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 know how to make is is when the one breast has dried up a milk, and then you 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 know to switch to the other. Uh huh. And you know, and and from there went into how you know concepts of the uh, that describe the fish experience. You know, that was a great show, greatest show ever, worst show ever. You know, and uh, I'm doing a disservice to that presentation. No, but it it uh it was absolutely uh, uh fascinating and it was an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. No, she's she really is amazing. She's added a lot to uh to our show for sure and uh for the Ghost of Forest as well. But um Benji, yeah. don't don't be intimidated by all these academics. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, <laughs> you are a first round draft pick in the all fish draft of yeah, yeah, all stars. <laughs> Do don't be intimidated, man. I could listen to you talk for hours yeah. <laughs> about the fish or the dead or whatever you want to talk to me about. It it was a real pleasure, and uh, I was glad to have you here tonight mm -hmm. to talk. Yeah, to it, was a, it was a pleasure for me for me too. Thanks so much. Sorry for running your ears off at points. Oh my god, no, <laughs> like I said, no. I think this is going to be a two part, which is really exciting. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so a, thank you so much. Thank you, yes, Benji. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it uh, tremendously. Thank uh, you. All right, we'll catch you. Okay, bye. Bye bye. bye.
All right. And thank you all for being with us for Holy this. Holy smokes. So, yeah, yeah. He, that was cool. I it really was. It really was. <laughs> Benji it was is, so good. It took two parts. It did. It did. Benji has so much to say. I just like, I want, like, I feel, well, I know I've been traveling, obviously. <laughs> Dude, can you imagine if you, you know, just run into Benji and you're like, oh, man. One time uh, my daughter gave Trey a letter and he gave it back to him and he's like, oh, yeah. One time I was doing work for GD50 and I opened a curtain and Trey was jamming a scene. Yeah, scene. right? <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a really big one for us. And, and, uh, and yeah, Benji is just an integral part of the fabric of our, of our, our, of our life, our, our, you know, of what Got we do lots here. lots of things to say, he too. Does. He does. He does, awesome. definitely. So, uh, Baker, thank you. Oh, thank you. I love God, you. Love and you. Jason Snakey, I love you. Oh, I love you, too, baby. Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And behind the scenes, our friend Irie was here. Big yeah, yeah, Glad yeah. to have you back, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I love definitely. you. So, um, I'm Female Centrics is part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and uh, we have lots and lots of different uh, podcasts for you to check out so go to osirispod.com and osiris is partnered with jambase.com as well so yeah that's it peace see ya say signing off this is cassidy signing off this is cassidy